0: Good morning, y'all. My name is Chris. I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and we're in the middle of a series entitled Momentum. And uh, we've been looking at what happens when we lose momentum and we get stuck in our spiritual walk and our spiritual life. We're looking at the life of Moses. So if you have your Bibles, um, we're primarily going to be in Exodus, and um, we have a lot of ground to cover today. So uh, as we talk about momentum and getting stuck, as I was kind of praying through this, a verse came to my mind that really has nothing to do with Moses. Um, But it's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And the writer of Hebrews talks about our Christian walk, our Christian life, and he he makes the comparison of a race. In fact, this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, all right, I'm going to get there. All right, there you go. Therefore, let us stir off everything that hinders. Everybody say hinders. Now, here's the thing. Y'all are really awake this morning. All right, cool. Um, Here's the thing. When you see somebody go to a race, they usually come and they got their jacket on, they got their sweatpants on, and they're kind of warming up doing stretches. But right before the race, what do they do? They take it off. That's what a hindrance is. You know, the thing about a hindrance is, yeah, you can run with the sweatpants on. Yeah, you can run with your jacket on. But that little extra weight is the amount that may make you from getting third place instead of second. Or second place instead of first. That's what a hindrance is. Not bad things, but just things that you need to take off if you want to win. Now look at this next part. So you need to throw off all the things that hinders and the, what does it say? Sin that so easily entangles. You see, something, an hindrance is something that you can still move forward with and you can still run with. But a sin is something that's going to leave you with no momentum whatsoever and leave you dead in your tracks. It's going to sideline you. It's going to put you on and off the track where you have really nowhere else to go, nowhere else to be, but you're done. And that's what we're talking about today. We're gonna to be looking at a passage of Scripture that I gotta be honest with you. It's not a really fun passage of Scripture to look at. But let me tell you, one of our core values here at One Church is we believe that all God's Word is inspired, and it's profitable, and it's helpful to us. So we're going to be looking at some really difficult things today. In fact, this is what's so cool. If you've never been to church before, you probably have heard some of the stories we're going to be talking about today because we're looking at this guy by the name of Pharaoh. We don't even know his name. That's his title. It's like Mr. President or King. His Pharaoh, he is the king of Egypt. And Moses is going to be going up, this, uh, up against this guy. And we're going to see how this guy knows the right thing to do, but he refuses to do it, and he hardens his heart. And God gives him ten chances with ten plagues. In fact, this is what it says in Exodus chapter 4, verse 21. It says, And the Lord told Moses, And the Lord told Moses, When you arrive back in Egypt, I want you to go to Pharaoh and perform all the miracles I have empowered you to do. But what's going to happen? But I will, everybody say it, harden his heart. But I will harden his heart so he will refuse to let my people go. Let's talk about that for a little bit. We ended last week, we looked at Moses, and he was in the middle of a desert, 80 years old, talking to a bush that's burning. And no, he was not doing drugs. <clears throat> he was talking, that was funnier. Come on, people, loosen up. All right. He was talking to a bush that was that was burning, but it wasn't burning up. And God was speaking to him and God was giving him a very specific, a very specific goal. And that goal was, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to talk to Pharaoh. I want you to go back. Now, remember how old Moses was at this time? 80 years old, very good. So he goes back and he says, I am going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Now here's the thing about this. The reason why we struggle with this right here is because we think that God was the only one hardening Pharaoh's heart. And that Pharaoh had no choice in the matter. But one of the things that we're going to see very clearly is that Pharaoh did have choice in the matter. Pharaoh had choice in that because he hardened his own heart. And let me tell you. this: God will never harden a heart unless that heart is already hard towards God. And my concern for you and I in here today is if you feel like you're spiritually stuck. Maybe. Maybe the biggest reason. And I do feel like the biggest reason why you and I get stuck spiritually. Is because God told us to do something. And we said I ain't going to do that. Or. God told us not to do something and we said, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do whatever I want. How many of y'all ever had a two-year-old? My Lord. You don't tell me what to do. And they they get better after two years old until they turn 13. Dear Jesus, right? Anyway, we're moving on. Y'all are going to get me preaching. We're going to see a clear progression of Pharaoh hardening his own heart. And then God hardening Pharaoh's heart. This is very interesting. We're going to see 20 times. How many times did I say? 20 times. Y'all are with me now. I'm going to start preaching. 20 times that Pharaoh has a hard heart. Now here's the cool thing about this. The first 10 times we read that Pharaoh hardens his own heart. And then in the last 10 times we see that God hardens Pharaoh's heart. So who hardened Pharaoh's heart? Pharaoh and God. And let me tell you, that's exactly what happens with you and I. All right, let's look at this. Our big idea today is this. Our heart becomes hard when we know what to do, but we don't do it. Let's all say that. Our heart becomes hard when we know what to do, but we don't do it. Let me tell you, a hardened heart isn't something that happens overnight. It's not. It's a subtle progression of taking specific steps down a specific path. Let me give you another thing. A hardened heart isn't something that happens just to villains of biblical proportions named Pharaoh in the Bible, but a hardened heart happens to you and to me as well. Totally happens to you and me. When we know what to do, but we don't do it. We lose momentum and sin entangles us. All right, first passage of Scripture. Exodus chapter 7, verses 8 and 9. What happens? Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, by the way, Aaron is Moses' brother, Pharaoh will demand, show me a miracle. So when he does this, say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down in front of Pharaoh and it will become a serpent. How many of y'all like snakes? <clears throat> y'all like snakes? Dear Jesus, I pray for them. No, I'm joking. <clears throat> How many of y'all don't like snakes? There we go. There we go. I am not a snake person. All right. Um, I didn't share this my first in the first service, but... Um, I remember being a youth pastor, uh, and we ended up going to, um, I think it was White House, Tennessee, and we were there with like 120 kids. And I remember having to go, and I was one of the youth workers there, had to go uh, get a stick. It was during the summertime because we were doing this drama thing. So I ended up going to this big wood pile to pick up the stick. And when I reached to grab the stick, I noticed that there was this big fat rattlesnake on the stick. And I'm like, oh no, no sir. <laughs> And I looked down, and I was stepping on a rattlesnake. Now, I was a lot lighter then, but I was still a big dude. I'm stepping on the the tail of a rattlesnake. And I look around me. I would stepped over another one. There was another one over to the left. There was another one. All total, there were seven rattlesnakes sunning themselves. And I went, Mommy. (laughs) I didn't freak out. I didn't forget, but I said, okay. I kind of let go of that, that, that stick and I, I remember shifting my weight and getting off the rattler that I was standing on. Did I tell you I was standing on it? And I remember walking backwards. And and about that time there was a, a couple of, of farmers um, like building this big shed and they had this little kitten. This kitten started coming you know closer and they all started rattling. And that's when I'm like, oh my gosh. And that's when I lost it and and ran and screamed like a little girl. But I was okay. Let me tell you, I'm not a snake person. But what happens is Aaron throws down the rod and it becomes a snake. And what's so interesting is that Pharaoh's magicians also had power, probably from the devil and demonic powers. They, They threw down their own staffs. And guess what? Their staffs became snakes as well. But, not to be outdone, Aaron's staff slash snake ate their snakes. Right? And at the end, what, what does it say in verse 13? It says, "Pharaoh, Pharaoh's heart, however, remained, what does it say? Hard. Hard. He still refused to listen, just as the Lord, what's that next word? Predicted. That's exactly, let me tell you. There's something here. God just can't help but knowing. You see, God, there's a there's a churchy word I want to teach you some theology here. It's called, he is omniscient. And that just means he knows everything. All right? It's like this. How many of y'all ever went to go see a movie and you've already seen the movie, but you went with somebody who hadn't seen the movie? Anybody ever done that? I love doing that because I say, you know he dies at the end don 't you? I, I love doing that because I know something that they don 't know, right? Let me tell you, God is the one who authored this this um God is the one who authored this movie. God is the one who 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 like knows everything, and he just can 't help but know it. He just can't help. So he says he predicted the Pharaoh was going to heart his heart. And that's exactly what happened. Now, after this point, God sends 10 plagues and each one of these plagues have a point. God's going to prove something to Pharaoh. God's going to prove something to the Egyptians and God's going to prove something to the Israelites, God's own people. So let's just start digging in to all of these plagues. Because we're going to see Pharaoh knows what to do, but he just doesn't do it. And his heart becomes hardened. Verse 17 and 18. So this is what the Lord says. I will show you that I am the Lord. Look, I will strike the water of the Nile with this staff in my hand. And the river will turn to what? (laughs) The fish in it will die and the river will stank. All right? Not stink. It's stank. The Egyptians will not be able to drink any water from the Nile. I mean, imagine that again. How many of y'all, you're kind of squeamish when it comes around blood? Anybody? I mean, when they take my blood, I'm like, just do it. Just do it, right? And they're like, oh, I, I, we missed your vein. Oh, we missed it. I'm like, what am I, a pincushion? Right? But they, I mean, it's just, just, just take it. I don't like, I was, we ended up, uh, was hanging out with some friends last night and he was talking about getting a quarter zone shot in his leg. And the guy had a needle that long. And he says, uh, he's sitting on the table, he says, do you want to watch this? And my friend, his name is John Mark, he says, yeah, I'll watch it. So they put in the needle, and it just kept going in and going in. And about that time, John Mark was over. He had done fainted, all right? Because I I would have never said no, because I would have already been fainting, right? There's something about blood. But here, and this is what's so amazing about God. God not only turns the river into blood. But it says, if you keep on reading, it says people who had basins of water. I mean, that also got turned to blood as well. So think about this. Okay, you're thinking, okay, the river's turned to blood, so you go into your refrigerator to get your bottled water, avian, right? You go, you pop a top, again, and you drink, and you're drinking Bloody Mary. And you're like, ugh, because that's what... God is in control. Now here's what's amazing. Guess what? The, the Pharaoh's magicians, look at what it says. This is so interesting. Verse 22. But again, the magicians of Egypt used their magic and they too turned the water into blood. Notice, they don't fix the problem. What do they do? They make it worse. And let me just tell you, if you do things not God's way, it will always make it worse. Let me tell you, some of you in here, you have this great idea that, you know what, what my marriage needs, I'll fix my marriage. We'll just look at some pornography. Let me tell you, that is not going to make your marriage sweeter. It's going to kill it. It will kill it. We cannot do things apart from God and expect for them to everything to be okay. Some of you are like, okay, I'm not doing good on the job, so I'll just cut some corners. I'll just, you know, I won't report some stuff. And, you know, it'll be okay. No, no, no. What's happening is you're going to make it worse. It's like my kids. I got three boys. And, you know, we're always struggling with stuff. Just, I'm just like you. And sometimes my boys will come to me and they'll something will happen. And I always tell them, are you telling me the truth? Because if you lie about it, it's only going to make it worse. You know, sometimes when they do something bad, I won't spank them. Because they at least told me the truth. But let me tell you. If they tell me a lie. We'll spank them. And we'll get the bar of soap. How many of y'all grew up with parents like that? My mama. Dear Jesus. She was in here first service. Right back there. She would make me take a bar of soap. And take bites out of it. And just wash my mouth out. All right, Nasty. But you know what? I learned. Right. And I'm sure if you had parents like that. you You probably learned as well. If we do things apart from God, we only mess it up more. I'm going to keep on reading. So Pharaoh's heart, what does it say? Remained hard. There it goes. He refused to listen to Moses and Aaron just as the Lord had predicted. Pharaoh returned to his palace and he put the whole thing out of his mind. Keep that verse up for a little bit. Why did his heart become hard? Because he refused to listen. He refused to listen to God's word that came out of Moses and Aaron's mouth. And then he said he just put it out of his mind. Some of y'all know what this means because you know God tells you you need to do this or you don't do that, and you're like, I'm not gonna listen. You don't tell me what to do, right? I mean, we we have this attitude, and then we just put it out of our minds. And our hearts become hard because we know what we should be doing, but we don't do it. Plague two. Second plague is frogs. Now, I'm not a i am not I mean, frogs are okay with me. I don't mind frogs. But this is not just one or two. This ain't Kermit the. This is thousands of frogs. I mean, imagine this. You're in the kitchen and you're taking some bacon and you're frying it up in a pan because everybody likes bacon, right? And you've got this bacon and you're trying to flip over a piece of pork and what is that? Is that a frog in the skillet? And you feel... and you got a frog coming out of your pants legs, and you got you got frog in your batter over here. And there's frogs, and you start looking around. What in the world is going on? That's what we see here. You see thousands and thousands of frogs. And Pharaoh comes, calls Moses, says, "What's going on? Get rid of these frogs." And Moses says, "Okay, I'll do it. When do you want? When do you want to get rid of them?" And Pharaoh, being obstinate and prideful, he says, "This is what he says. You ought to read it." He says, "Tomorrow." Now again, if you got a frog problem today, I want to get rid of it today. But Pharaoh's like, no, you don't, I'm in control. You see, some of you know, you've been there. It's like you want to be in control so much, you're willing to live with a frog problem because you you don't want anybody to think that you've got it out of control. But let me tell you, Pharaoh is nowhere in control. Look at what it says in verse 15. They take all of these frogs, the following day they all die, and they pile up these thousands of frogs in the middle of the street, and it stinks. Along with the bloody river with the dead fish that it stinks. It's a wonderful land. all right. But when Pharaoh saw the frogs were gone, say it with me, he hardened his heart and became stubborn. He refused to listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had predicted. Again, we've read these words before. All right, Plague 3. Gnats. In fact, some scholars believe the gnats here are probably more mosquitoes. I don't know if they're gnats or mosquitoes. I don't like them both. All right. Think about this. I love. I love. I love grilling during the spring and summer. All right. I love. Some, I, I'll take corn on the cob and I'll soak it in, in the husk and I'll put that on and, and I'll just. I'll just. Oh. And then I love that. I love brats. I love steak is good, but brats. That's the po man steak. And I'll just, I love the brats, the beer brats, the jalapeno. Anybody ready to stop me preaching and like go eat? All right, thank you. I'm not going to do it though, sorry. Anyway, I love that. But there's something about spring and summer, even though I like being outside, there are always those bites. I remember a lot of times when my kids are playing outside and then in the evenings, I'll put them in, in, the, in the bath. Um, they'll be, you know, just have all of these red bumps all over from mosquitoes or gnats. Something about, and you see the progression? I mean, now you hear you have this river that's been turned to blood and it's nasty and the fish are dead, the frogs are dead, and now you've got mosquitoes and gnats. Look at verse 19. It says this about the magicians. This is the finger of God, the magicians exclaimed. It's like, hey, we're out of this one. We can't even duplicate this one. Right? We can't duplicate this one. But look at this. But Pharaoh's heart remained hard. He wouldn't listen to them just as the Lord had. It's like second verse, same as the first, right? All right. Now it's important to recognize God when he's at work. And that's what the magician saw. I mean, at this point they, they say, Hey, God's working here. You may want to change your game plan, Pharaoh, but he's too hardened and stubborn. Plague 4, look at this, verse 21. Then the Lord told Moses, Get up early in the morning and stand in Pharaoh's way as he goes down to the river. Isn't that something? Anybody ever feel like God's standing in your way? That's what happens here with Pharaoh. God stands in your way if you're prideful and you're not humble. Look at this. Say to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so that they can worship me. If you refuse, then I will send swarms of flies on you, your officials and your people and all the houses. The Egyptian homes will be filled with flies and the ground will be covered with them. I mean, you take a bite of soup and there's a flag. That's what I'm saying. It's nasty, right? But hear me, it's very important that God distinguishes from the Egyptians and God's people. Look at this in verse 22. It says this, But this time I will spare the region of Goshen where my people live. No flies will be found there. Then you will know that I am the Lord and that I am present even in the heart of your land. Leave that verse up. You see, the Israelites lived in the suburb of Egypt called Goshen. And here God's saying, okay... God, all God's children, all the people experienced all of these, the first few plagues. But now here on plague four, God's people, the Israelites, there's not going to be any flies there. It's only going to be on the Egyptians. Isn't that something? Now think about this. Why did God do all of these plagues? Look at, then you will know that I am the Lord. The reason why that's capitalized, we looked at this last week, it's YH w h in Hebrew it means I am that i am that 's god 's name. You will know that I am the Lord and that I am present. Let me tell you the reason why sometimes difficult times come is so that God can realize so that we can realize that God is present right in the middle of your circumstances that even through that death, even through that discouragement, even through the divorce, through whatever it is that God has not left you but he is present. He is present. So, plague five. Right before we do that. 832. Exodus 832. But Pharaoh hardened his heart again and refused to let the people go. Plague five. Moses warns, uh, warns of a livestock epidemic. He says that not one of Israel's livestock will die. No cattle will die there. But all of Egypt's cattle will. Now think about this. They've got no water. The fish are dead. They ain't eating sushi. Or fish sticks. They've got um, dead frogs everywhere, mosquitoes, gnats, and now the, they'd have no milk from the cows and they ain't eating hamburger. What are these people eating? I mean, it's like, I'm hungry. Let's go to Charlie Cheeseburgers. I'm sorry, we're out of that. All right? Because we don't have any meat. All right? Look at this, verse 7. Of Exodus 9, but the heart of the Pharaoh was hardened and he did not let the people go. Now, here, right here, we see a huge change. Remember, I said that Pharaoh hardened his heart how many times? Ten times. Now, here, starting right here, we see a pivot and now God is the one hardening Pharaoh's heart. And there's a few principles I wanna show you here before we move on because we can become insensitive to an issue, we can choose to shut out God. And we don't longer hear God's voice. We have a hardened heart. First one, when someone hardens their heart, it's always voluntary. It's always voluntary. Tell you a story. I love history. Uh, Back uh, about 100 years before Jesus Christ was born, there was this Persian leader by the name of Mithridates. Now, Mithridates was a little paranoid. Uh, He was a Persian leader, and the Romans hated this guy, and he was afraid that somebody was going to try to poison him. So what Mithridates did is he would ingest small amounts of poison, not enough to kill him, but just enough to start getting his immune system up so that if somebody ever tried to poison him, it wouldn't work. And that's exactly what he does. He starts administering to himself small doses of poison in his food and drink. He would inject himself with little bits of venom. He would eat small doses of poisonous plants on purpose so that after time he built up his immune system. And it worked. It worked. He was enemy number one to the state of Rome. And the night before he's captured, Mithridates knows that he's done. And that Rome is getting ready to capture him and try to kill him. So here's what Mithridates does. He takes an insanely godly amount of poison, ungodly amount of poison, and he drinks it all, thinking that he's going to kill himself. And you know what? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And the next day, Rome captures them and tortures them for over 17 days. And that, work, that picture right there is how a heart is hardened. It's how a heart is, used to be soft and tender, how a heart used to be sensitive to God, and now over time has become callous and become dulled. It's never an accident that a heart becomes hardened. We allow ourselves to ingest small amounts of negative influence, small amounts of what we think would be harmless sin. And we think, it's not going to hurt me, but it always hurts us. Every sin brings death. Did you know that? That's what God's word says. That we think, you know, this little white sin, whatever that is, a little white lie, There ain't no white or black lies. It's just lies. These little small things, it won't hurt anybody, but it will destroy you. It will destroy you. Look at this. Second principle. A hardened heart comes from persistent pride. A hardened heart comes from persistent pride. Another word for this is just stubborn. How many of y'all know stubborn people? How many of y'all married to stubborn people? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. You. I'll be praying for you. All right. Here's the thing. GPS. I love GPS. I I don't own a GPS. I I own a phone that does GPS. How many of y'all own a GPS but ever ignored it? Anyone besides me? Man, there's something about the GPS, especially when it's speaking in a female voice. I know there's some guy pride there. I know there is, and I know it ain't right. I'm just going to be honest with you. But, you know, a lot of times I already have one lady riding with me who's telling me how to drive. I don't need another, right? Right? But in it, and I, in, I, I'll turn on the GPS and it's like, I've lived here all my life almost. Turn around, turn left. And I'm like, oh, you don't tell me what to do. And I have this conversation with a box. Okay, it's your earliest convenience. Turn around, do a U-turn. You don't tell me what to do, right? What, I mean, oh my gosh. But we argue with the GPS. And let me tell you, that's exactly what so many of us do with God's word. That's so what so many of us do with the Holy Spirit living inside our lives if you're a Christ follower. We, we argue with him or we argue with the conscience. I mean, Romans chapter 1 says that God gave us all conscience. but That's the, the ability to choose right and wrong, but we just ignore it. When we ignore it, we become, we have a heart that becomes hardened. And that's exactly what happened to Pharaoh. In fact, in Exodus chapter 5 verse 2, Moses shows up to Pharaoh and he says, this is about God. And listen to what he says. He says, is that so, retorted Pharaoh? And who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. You know, in that culture, even Pharaoh himself believed that he was a God. Did you know that? And all the Egyptians worship this guy as a god. And he says, you mean to tell me God's telling me to let your people go? I'm God, right? Some of you may have heard of this poem by William Ernest Henley called Invictus. You probably haven't heard that, but listen to this. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. This whole attitude of pride, and you don't tell me what to do. I tell you, it permeates our life and our hearts, and it makes our hearts hardened towards God. Let me tell you how Peter says it in 1 Peter 5.5. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God, there's just something about just proud people. He will come up against you. In fact, that really is the very first sin that ever happened. It's the sin that we see the devil commit, all right? So the third point, a hardened heart resists God. Charles Stanley says it like this. We are either in the the process of resisting God's truth or we are in the process of being shaped by God's truth. There is no middle ground. You are either walking towards Him or walking away from Him. Let me tell you, that's it. There is no neutral with God. You know that? You're either following hard after him or you're disobeying him. There is no, I'm just standing in one place. No, not at all. Another person said it like this. When we know what to do but we don't do it, something happens to our heart. Our hearts become trapped in the coffin of our own disobedience. In that casket of our own disobedience, dark, motionless, airless, our heart begins to change. We no longer feel the remorse of our conscience and the tug of God pleading with us. Listen to me and obey. No, no, no. When we know what to do but we don't do it, our heart begins to change and becomes calloused. It becomes unbreakable, impenetrable we begin to resist conviction we begin to resist god let me tell you if you're in here listening to god's truth today and you're not willing to follow it you're in a dangerous place in fact it would be better for you not even to be in here let me tell you we we have you know the ice is coming down outside when you have ice on the ground and the sun hits it what happens to the ice Melts, right? Now, you take that same sun and I take some clay, some moldable pottery, and I put that that clay in the sun. What happens to it then? It bakes and it hardens. And let me tell you, the same God, He shines His love on us and we're either going to melt and we're going to become more like Him and be drawn to Him or we're going to become hardened like Pharaoh and we're going to say, you don't tell me what to do. But it's the same God. It is the same God. What's different is our heart. It's our heart. Ezekiel 36, 26. This is what he says about our hearts. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. God wants to put a new heart into you this morning, but you've got to stop hardening your heart. Last principle, a hardened heart, Puts off obedience. God says, hey, why don't you do this? I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it sometime, God. Listen, Chris, I want you to start giving to me. I want you to start giving more of your money, more of your time. You know what? When I, when I get un- enough of my bills paid, I get enough of my bills paid, I'll start giving. i got to be honest with you, I've said that to God. You know what I found out? I never do have enough. I never do have enough money at the end of my month and I can't get my bills paid because I've not put my faith and trust in God. Some of you, you're like, you know what? You've been trying to control your marriage and white knuckle your marriage and you're wondering why God hasn't intervened and started changing it. It's because you're trying to manipulate God and your spouse and you can't do that. You've got to give it to God, and you've got to let God be God, and that means you're not God. And that's exactly what Pharaoh chose not to do. He knew what to do, but he says, you're not telling me what to do. I'm not going to do it. Let's look at the last few plagues. Plague 6. Moses takes a handful of soot and ash. He throws it up in the air, and everywhere the ash and the soot lands, boils Come up all over the Egyptians. And not one sore shows up on the Israelites. Isn't that interesting? You see this progression of rebellion. It's getting worse and worse and worse. I mean up to this point it's been other stuff. Now they're getting afflicted personally. Personally. I mean, it's like an epicenter of an earthquake. In this earthquake that happens under the water, you really don't see it. But all of a sudden, you see the tsunami waves and they get bigger and they get bigger and they get bigger until there's destruction. It just keeps on building and building this negative ripple effect. The, The plague seven, let's look at this. And this is where all hail breaks loose because hail, ice, comes down from the sky and it messes up everything. But you know what's interesting? Finally, in Plague 7, some of the Egyptians start scratching their head and going, I think I'm going to follow this God. In fact, look what it says. Those officials of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord hurried to bring their slaves and their livestock inside so they wouldn't get hail damage. But those who ignored the word of the Lord left their slaves and their livestock in the field. Let me tell you, this isn't just about Egyptian Israelites. This is about if you obey God, you will be saved. Let me tell you, you may be here this morning and you may have never, ever been to church before in your life. And this is really strange to you. Let me tell you, this is not about churched and unchurched. This is not about Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist. This is not about labels. This is about how are you and your heart with God. That's what it is. No more, no less, nothing at all. That's it. Look at this. Plague 8. Plague 8. Here we have the land is covered with locusts. What a locust is—it's kind of like a grasshopper. And what—and I had to do some research on this one because it says a locust will consume its weight on a daily basis. That locust swarms have been known to cover as many as 400 square miles. That's a—that's a lot, right? In fact, just in one square mile, locusts can—you can have a 100 million locusts in just 100 square miles. And this is interesting—if they lay their eggs before being blown out to sea these problems will become in regular cycles now. So here, the entire economy of Egypt is gone. All right? I mean, the water, done. The fish, done. The frogs, stinky dead and done. Right? Everybody's got boils. The cattle, done. The crops have got hail damage. All right? And now the locusts have eaten everything else. And it appears Pharaoh is starting to soften because he comes to Moses. He says, will you pray for me? But let me tell you, Moses isn't really ready to repent yet and to change his course. He's just miserable. And some of you, you know exactly what that is because you're like, you know what? You're really miserable in your addiction, but you're not willing to change it yet because you are not really gotten to the bottom of it. Plague 9. Second to last plague. A deep, terrifying darkness goes all over the land of Egypt. In fact, they would light a match. And it says this, that you couldn't even see the match in front of your face. It was so dark. But you know what? Over in Goshen, where the Israelites live, guess what they got? Light. In fact, think about this. You're living in Egypt, and it's pitch black for three days. And you're looking over at Goshen, and they got light. It's almost like that they're a city on a hill. Isn't that what Jesus said? He says, as Christians, as Christ followers, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. It's it's like God was saying, listen, you need to follow them. They got the light. You're living in darkness. But you know what? Pharaoh had a hard heart. And he keeps on putting it off and in plague ten. And this is probably the worst plague of them all. And it's the one I kind of cringe about, even talking about it. But what happened was Moses told everyone who would listen that an angel, <coughs> a death angel, an angel of death, was going to come, and was going to visit the entire land, both Israelites and Egyptians, and was going to kill the firstborn of every child, unless. They took a lamb and slaughtered it and took that blood's lamb, the lamb, the, lamb, the blood from the lamb, and they would put it on the door post outside of the door. And if the death angel, when he came and he saw the lamb's blood on your door, he would pass over you and he wouldn't go in to kill. And here, that's the reason why they they celebrate Passover, because that's exactly what happened. Man, it's something that it's finally at the end of this plague, Pharaoh is broken and he says, just go, just go. Now as I close, let me just say something here. A Jewish proverb says this, When sin starts out, it's weak like a spider's web, but it becomes as strong as an iron chain. I'm going to say that one more time. When sin starts out, it's weak like a spider's web, but it becomes as strong as an iron chain. I wonder today if you really need to have God show up and maybe do some house cleaning with some cobwebs in your life. Maybe, you know, this sin started out and it was fun and you could just stop it anytime you wanted to. But that was just a few months ago, a few years ago. And now it's like an iron chain and you're in bondage. And God is telling you and me today that he holds the keys to your bondage. But you have to come to him and acknowledge him. I think about this. Ten plagues. Why did God send ten plagues? This is interesting. All right. As I was doing research on this, did you know that each one of these ten plagues was coming up against a god that the Egyptians worshipped and believed in? Let me read this: the the Nile turning to blood. The god of the Nile is somebody they worship. Her name is Isis. All right, and they ignored the whole thing the the frogs heket um, is the frog god in in controls birth and reproduction and god said you know what i'm gonna show off and show out and i'm going specifically against every one of these egyptian gods you're worshiping them thinking they're the god that they're the lord no i am him look at this gnats that and, and mosquitoes that's the the egyptian god set all right um the flies yuket was the uh, egyptian god of the fly the lord of the flies if you will and god said no i am even more strong than yuket the livestock and the cattle dies hathor is the cow god and even today you go over to india and they worship cows and cattle boils Sekhmet, is he's the god of disease um here you have hail and that's the the god nut in ut all right. Locust. You have Osiris. And she's the god of crops. God says, I'm going to destroy your crops with all the hail. Um, and locust. Darkness. Y'all remember this? Who's the sun god of Egypt? Ra. There you go. And God says, I am bigger than Ra. And then the last one, the, the, uh, the firstborn being killed, goes against Pharaoh himself because Pharaoh believed that he himself was. Was a god. Each one of these plagues addresses the gods or goddesses of the Egyptians that they worshiped. And each one of these plagues was a defeat of the gods and the goddesses of Egypt. And this morning, I wonder what gods God may need to defeat in here today. What type of plagues have been sent in your life so that you will finally start to say, you know what, I'm not going to worship money, but I'm going to worship God, I'm going to worship Yahweh. Maybe you have a plague right now in your money situation. And God's going, until you start honoring me, we talked about this a few weeks ago, you need to know that I am going to curse you in your money. Because God knows this, there's something about our wallet and our heart and it's attached. I don't know how, I don't know why, but that's what God says and I have to believe it. Some of you, your gods are your children, because you're leaving, living vicariously when your boy is out there on the on the field, you're screaming and you're getting all worked up and you got four, you know veins popping out of your forehead, right? Or some of you ladies, you go out there and your kid is at, you know at dance studio and you're screaming at them and yelling at them. How many of y'all have ever seen toddlers in tiaras? That's called child abuse. Serious you got all these people, all these ladies who, you know, used to be pretty, whatever that means. And God says you still are pretty. But now are living their life through their kids, and they're making the two-year-olds look like 20-year-olds. That ain't right. That ain't right. Let me tell you, if the kids are your God, God will not play second to anyone. The reason why these plagues were sent was so that God could dethrone other little g gods. Let me tell you as I close, the longer you and I, the longer you and I say no to God, the harder it's going to be for God to get our attention. It's just that simple. The longer you harden your heart to God, the more painful it will be for God to get your attention. It's like taking a callus and just ripping it off. And that's what God has to do to many of us this morning because you're hearing God's word and you're like, whatever. The reason why you have that attitude is because there was a time in your past that God you knew you should have done that. You knew you shouldn't have said that. You knew you should have done this specific thing. You knew you should have talked to that person, but you didn't. And now there's something happening to your heart. So I want to close this morning just by saying, how's your heart? You know, we do all kinds of crazy things with hearts to get our hearts right, right? I mean, we get on the ellipticals. I work out and I sweat like a pig. Seriously. I'm on the treadmill and I am wanting to cuss every minute, right? Because I don't like the treadmill, right? We try to do specific things to get this heart right. But let's talk about your real heart. Are you cynical? Are you more angry? Are you more bitter? Do you gossip more? Do you spend more time negative and just pessimistic? Are you more sarcastic? That's not funny. No, that's being sarcastic. And that's a sign of a hard heart is what I'm going to ask you to do today, right now. I'm going to ask everybody to just close your eyes, bow your heads. The lights are going to come down. I'm going to ask the band to come out. And I just want you to spend some time talking to God. Just spend some time talking to God. God has been talking to you. Have you been listening? How's the condition of your heart? Are you more gracious? Is it more soft? Is it more growing? Is it more compassionate? Is it more teachable? Is it more gracious? Or have you built an edifice of of pride around your heart? How's your heart? Is there a time where you can look back and you can think of a time when you told God no and you should have said yes? Or you said yes to something when you should have said no. Confess that now. Tell him that. God's listening. If you feel far from God this morning, you need to know God hasn't left you. My, My Bible says God will never leave you nor forsake you. You have left God crazy thing about that is all we have to do is stop running away from Him and turn around and start running back to God because He loves us. He cares for us. Don't be stubborn towards God this morning. Whatever it is, say yes. Whatever He's telling you to do right now, say yes. Scary it is. God, we come to you, our hearts. God, I pray our hearts are more broken. God, I pray that our hearts are more soft, are more pliable. God, I pray that in your hands our hearts can be changed. God, I pray that in your hands our hearts, Lord, will be transformed from stone to flesh that our lives would be changed that we would stop becoming so entangled with sin and we would say yes to you Jesus it's in Jesus' great big name that we pray